Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Level Up Cleveland. This week, we have with us Mr. Noah Buchanan. And Noah is a multi-dimensional guy that we have. I mean, he doesn't have just one thing that he uh, focuses on. He's got he's he's got a lot of hats, as we were just saying, a lot of hats that he wears in the mucus music industry. Um, the mucus, yeah, the mucus industry. But but for one, you you get you have you're a musician right yeah. off the bat. I mean, you play guitar, mm-hmm. you do a lot of the vocal type stuff too, but more of the guttural type, like satanic almost. Like you sound, you you have a really cool voice when you do it. Um, and you also, which is Nunslaughter, you're playing with. You also play with Slipsis. Mm-hmm. So you have two bands that you're involved with. Yep. But the real reason we actually got you down here was because we were noticing a pattern of uh, when we would have all the metal people in here, if we had a metal artist in here, a lot of them were going to Mercenary Studios, which is where you do all your recording. Yes. Because you are a producer. I am. And an engineer. I am, yes. You do all that kind of stuff. You yeah. And we felt like there was a real good chance that we were starting to see a pattern of all the bands, some of the more popular, bigger bands that are out there in the Cleveland area doing the metal thing, you're responsible for it. And when you have one guy Somewhat. recording all these bands, I felt like, you know, he, is there a Cleveland sound being formed here where, you know, like uh, Florida had the, the death metal thing at one point, you know, it was the Florida death metal sound. And you had, you know, the be- very beginning, you had the New York uh, sound and you had the east coast of uh, the west coast sound which you know the west coast was more like new album and the east coast was more like a hardcore mix with metal and it was like two, two very different styles but all th- coming out at the same time cleveland we always had a lot of cool bands but i don't know that anyone ever really defined us as a cleveland sound mm-hmm. so to speak could that be happening is what i was feeling like and i'm thinking yeah yeah maybe uh possible i mean i I have a, I would have a hard, really hard time taking any credit for anything like that. I mean, because I grew up listening to bands from Cleveland too. So, you know, I I think I think Bill Karecki is the Cleveland sound, Mars sound, the Mars oh, Mars Studios from yeah, back when, in the day. When I when I think of the Cleveland sound, I think of Bill Karecki. So, that's what I think. I mean, I'm just doing what I like to do. Yeah, and but you're... It, and, and and whether it's uh, intentionally or not. Uh, however it ends up, if I get to be part of something really cool, then great. Yeah, because, you know, I, you know like, like, like I, one thing that we do get when we talk to these people is, like I said, it's not just that they mention you or whatever, but they genuinely really like you. I mean, oh, like, great. they really <laughs> seem to really like to work with you. They seem to really be comfortable with you. They seem to really be happy with the outcome of everything that you've done. Everything I've listened to, I'm like, wow, this sounds unbelievably good. You know, like, it is. Oh, so, so. Basically, what I want to do here is I want to kind of go back, kind of for for to the beginning almost, and, and kind of like see what gets you here. Okay. Now, what makes what makes a Noah Buchanan? <laughs> sure. Basically, is what I'd like to do. Um, are you originally from Cleveland? No. Uh, I I kind of grew up here, like uh, I don't know, great uh, middle school on. Okay. Uh, West Side, Lorain County kid. Yeah. You know? Oh. Uh, but yeah, I we moved around a lot when I was growing up. So we bounced around all all over the place and ended up here when I was yeah just getting into high school. Oh, so so you already yeah childhood was not here, but you but you had, yeah was, some of it was. I mean we like I said we bounced around. So we lived when I was in like little little kid we lived in 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 Cleveland for a little while and then we moved away and then we came back and it was like that. So. And it's like music through this period through that period was music a big thing at the time. Um, I mean I was a little kid. Um, I mean music was always there i mean i uh i grew up in a really musical family i've got 
we have a lot of talent in our family. Um, you know, my dad was a songwriter for years and years and years, still is a songwriter, and he was a, a professional musician for a long time. So, what did he do? He, he played bass and country western music. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, and he was a songwriter, uh, which I think was sort of his main gig. But, um, yeah, I mean, so it's always been there. You know, uh, always like my dad had a studio uh, when he was younger, and they recorded. I mean, lots of stuff. I'm pretty sure. And, and somebody might fact check me on this, but they're still using the jingle that he recorded for the uh, Boise, Idaho State Rodeo or whatever. Oh, really? Or the for... State Fair or something. He recorded that jingle in his studio behind our house in Boise. In, in his own studio? Yeah, and they're pretty sure they still use that recording. What, what, <laughs> now, now, when you think about the studio that he had, do you remember it? No, I was so oh, small. Oh, okay. I, I probably wasn't interested in that stuff anyway. At the yeah, time. right. So, right. but it was just a little four track studio, reel to reel, you know, tape machine and stuff. You know, it's back in, you know, seventies and eighties. So, so this was a, you know, always music instruments around mm -hmm. the house and oh, stuff yeah. like that. So it was always just it was natural to you. It wasn't something. Yeah, was, I think so. I mean, it it was a lot of like James Taylor, <laughs> like folk music and country western music, and then church music. So it it was basically all of that, all all of once that was what you were subject little, to little uh, kid. you were getting exposed <laughs> yeah, to that right, kind of stuff right. at all. and at what time does rock and roll enter the picture uh i think i was in like sixth grade maybe something like that my best friend's mom was the music teacher at our school oh that helps and they lived right down the road so we would i would ride my bike down there and she was listening to led zeppelin oh and she listened to black sabbath and a lot of stuff like that so i would get exposed to that and she would spin records while she's like vacuuming the house and we'd be over there playing Tecmo Bowl. And, oh, yeah. You know, so we'd be playing Tecmo Bowl, and I'd hear this thing. I'm like, what's this? And then and my my older brother was was and still is into a lot of weird rock and roll. So, you know, uh, it was like Sonic Youth. Okay. And, I, I mean, a lot of punk rock, uh, especially American punk rock, like, you know, uh, the Bad Brains and Black Flag and Circle Jerks and all those bands I kind of got exposed to really young. Um, and then it became, you know, it got heavier and heavier. You know what I mean? That's what more happens. toward the battle from yeah. Punk. But I still play and sing and write those kind of songs, you know, just because it's fun. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like punk rock. A lot of people when they get into it, they never. It's it's it just becomes that's always a part of. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's always a part of the whole thing. As it should be. So are you are you um, what time? You obviously at some point you pick up the guitar and you mm -hmm. start you learn how to play guitar. Now, yeah. now was that because it was partially you think because dad was involved in all that it kind of steered you in that direction? Oh, totally. Uh, yeah, he bought me my first guitar. Oh, okay. You know, okay. I was like fourteen or something, and um, before that it was baseball. So was baseball, <laughs> then it was guitar, and there was really no overlap there, you know. <laughs> uh, but um, so the guitar just yeah, ended the baseball I, career, basically. Yeah, basically, mm -hmm. yeah, ended the baseball career um, <laughs> before it started. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, my brother played in a in a band, and they were like doing Nirvana covers and playing punk rock tunes. I think they were called Gutter Snipe. It was their name, and uh, they practiced in our basement. So uh, the all, everything was down there, like guitars, drums, bass, everything. You just would go down there. So and... I would just go down there when nobody was home, and I'd sit behind a drum set and play and grab a guitar and play and i've really wanted to be a drummer um and and i can play a little bit like i'm okay you know i yeah. i play on my own shit sometimes but that's about it but yeah 
Um, There's a difference between playing the drums and being a drummer. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I mean, I can play the drums a little. I can I can keep up with some pretty good drummers for a little while. Yeah, and then, the stamina part yeah, is the part. And then man. I'm like, eh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I just kind of figured it all out from there, man. And then uh, I think I was like 16 or something. I was in a punk band, and um, my dad had this four track recorder. And it was a Yamaha, and I remember it was a mini disc one, and they didn't last very long because it was kind of kind of a bad technology. Uh, but they had this. Uh, we had this recorder, and I started just recording my band in the basement with a couple SM fifty sevens and a couple cables, and that was it. And and just trial and error, basically. Yeah. Is that how it was? And then figuring were, it out. So so let me ask you, like, was it were you? At that point in time, were you already studying this thing? Like, you know, like I, I, when I say trial and error, I mean like, you know, positioning your microphones in different areas, trying to capture the right sound, or yeah. were you just like straightforward, just doing it and just? I mean, <clears throat> we just tried to figure it out. I mean, we we figured, well, you, I have two mics, I put one on the <laughs> yeah. kick drum, and I'll put one just in front of the drums, and I guess you only have so many options, right? Doing vocals in a closet full of clothes, just like you. Anybody, any kid would, you know. And you were just doing this for yourself at this point? Like, yeah. This is just for your own band and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, me and my friends, you know. Were people so ever can... coming up to you and saying, hey, record our band? Was it, was that, did that start at no, this point yet? that was a lot yeah. later. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, but it is. But, like, you know, the one cool thing about what you were doing is at that time, it was, you know, it wasn't like everyone had Pro Tools yet and everything right. like that. So yeah. it's not as if, like, it was as easy to do. You had something that a lot of people didn't have access to. Yeah, and, I mean, I'm, I grew up, like, pretty privileged. I mean, I grew up in, in a nice suburb of Cleveland. I, you know, I'm, I'm not from the hood or... I didn't grow up in a, like, bad place, you know. So I had access to things that a lot of people didn't have access to. Like, right, right. We, had, we had a nice computer oh. that, that worked. It was a Packard Bell, and it worked. And I could put, you know, a, they had early, early recording software that was getting f- handed around in schools on CDs. And I managed to get my hands on one of those, and I installed it, and it was, it was acid. The first, like, iteration of Acid. Oh, my God. And it had loops. And then I started messing around with loops and making little songs. And then then, and then my dad one, came, one day came home with a 4X CD burner. And I, I was like, holy cow, this is... <laughs> so I got a stack of CDs, and I started making my own discs and going to school and be like, look at all the songs I wrote, and handing them out to the kids in school. Immediately, you're learning how to hustle and do yeah, the whole thing. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I mean, people man. were giving me money for them. And I'm no like, kidding. I walk out of school with, like, 30 bucks. I'm like, holy shit. I'm rich. In, in 1997, you're a professional that's a lot at of that money. point. You're already a professional at that point. You're getting paid right. for it, man. Yep, yep, totally. What kind of music is this now? You're, you're, you remember? Do you remember this? Uh, we write anything good? Anything? Was there any song that you still remember? You're like, yeah, it wasn't a bad. Song. Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, I I still have. Uh, there's still a few that Do you I'm have quite, those recordings. Fond of. Oh you, yeah. Oh, you you saved mm-hmm. all that stuff? Yeah, I actually I lost it all for a long time, and then an old friend uh, had moved back to Cleveland from being abroad for a long long time and he had those no shit yeah he got a hold of me and he was he's like hey i haven't talked to you in forever and i'm like where are you living and he lived right down the street from me yeah so i ended up getting all that stuff again and i think actually was it last year i actually sat down and re-recorded some of those songs um just by myself oh just 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 because now well now you can improve the the quality of the whole thing might as well i mean it was in mono the original version (laughs) i mean i didn't even know what a pan knob did at the time so um but now it's like now i go back and i'm like "Eh, the old versions have a better charm you know so you you honed in on the guitar as your instrument though that's the one that you that's that's basically what you really yeah when i was a when i was younger yeah did you take lessons or anything like that or did you just basically learn on your own i had some vhs tapes Oh, you did that one. Yeah. Rock guitar, volume one. Old school YouTube. There's a guy, <laughs> just a guy with 
feathered hair playing the same Van Halen riff for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you started? Was, was, was Eddie, Van Eddie, Eddie Van Halen and stuff like that? Yeah. Was that your, like, well, your first? Well, you know, Who was your first, like, guitar guy that you, like, you, Eddie Van Halen. He was it Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, I mean. It, Is he it, still? Would you say Eddie's your favorite? I mean, like, I, I mean, just overall, if you had to just say one. Overall, yeah. yeah. I'd say so. I mean, there's other guys that are better. Yeah. That, that are touching him. I'm saying favorite. Yeah. I'm not, yeah, just your favorite. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um, that's cool. So you learn how to play guitar in high school, would you yeah. say? During yeah. high school? Yeah. Are you, are you in it, like, in high school, are you playing out with these bands? Mm-hmm. Are you already gigging? Oh, yeah. Are you learning that whole entire part of the whole thing, too? Yeah, we were, me and my buddy Dave, he's like, he's still my best friend. He uh, he and I had a punk band called The Hit Squad, and we were playing, like, we were playing Blind Lemon. We were playing at the upper level before it was like Pit or whatever. We played at uh, Speaking Tongues. We play. I mean, we played all over the place. But we, <laughs> I mean, we were just old enough to be driving. <laughs> no shit. So we're playing on like Tuesday nights in school club. nights and stuff. School nights, yeah. yeah we're right. playing gigs and we're getting up the next morning and going to school. And like we'd be out late and like breaking the rules and drinking beer and driving. And, and you know we were stupid, but we would you know we'd wake. It was up a different time. Go to school and then look at each other across the across the classroom because they had to separate us. <laughs> so <laughs> so I look across the room and he looks at me and we're just like we're we're doing the damn thing. Yeah, right, I'm in man. government class right now. Last night, I was I was playing a packed house. You're a rock star, man. <laughs> yeah, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. And, and were other kids in the school, did they all recognize who you guys were? I mean, were you guys no. famous at least within school? They didn't give a no, shit. Nothing like that. No, right? I was like, I dude, my, my school class in high school was 89 kids. Oh. Uh, everybody knew, but nobody cared. I got you. I got you. you. Know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so you get out of high school. Yeah. High school's over. Yeah. Where does your music career go from there? Oh, boy, what happened? That's a long time ago. I mean, I mean, have you? Well, let me ask you. <laughs> I this. went to college, and that didn't work out. Well, let me ask you this: Did you did you have to take on like the real world and get a real job and do all that kind of stuff that wasn't related to music? I mean, I never got a real job. So you were that fortunate. I, I no, well, no. <laughs> I worked. I had jobs, but I never oh, got a real job. I got like, what you're saying. I I landscaped. I mowed lawns. I made pizza for years. Delivered pizzas for 10, 15 years. Uh, you know. Just so you, are you saying that you does, did, you know, so the jobs that you did though, allowed you to do the music sure. thing. Is that, is that yeah. how you kind of like I always had bands, always had pr- multiple practices a week. And that was priority. The music Absolutely. was kind of a priority. Yeah. Uh, totally. period. That yeah, yeah, and yeah. like, well, I mean that and having fun, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's right. what you're doing with your friends when you're 20. I mean, you're, it's true. you're breaking all the rules and trying not to get caught and pretending you're smarter than everyone else in the world you know that's what you did when you're 20 absolutely so, so yeah <laughs> that's true i i we had a, i had a couple of bands along the way um some were better than others you know i mean you look back and you're like man that was pretty bad but it's like all things considered any regrets in them bands where you're like sure so, you know like bad shit always ends the bad but you're like man that one could have stayed together there were probably some people along the way that I should have cut ties with a lot sooner than i had oh yeah that too but that being said when you when you look back at everything in the grand scheme of things, you're like, well, if I had, then maybe this wouldn't have happened, and this wouldn't have happened, you know? Yeah, there's a there. It For does better or worse. Everything happens, and then th- what happens afterwards? You're not here at this point in time. Yep. One of those things, the butterfly effect, or whatever. Hundred percent. That's what it is, man. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're and, and, and out of high school. What kind of bands are you listening to at that point? Like, what do you you know? This is what year are we talking? Uh, two thousand. Oh, okay. A lot of Slayer. A lot of Slayer, a lot of uh, a lot of hardcore bands. I liked the, I liked a lot of hardcore, like Sick of It All, and uh, even some of the West Coast, more like 
had a melodic hardcore stuff I liked, and uh, yeah, I was just listening to that stuff. Uh, but I really was getting into thrash metal a lot out of high school, and I, I was really learning the learning the ropes, I guess. The old school thrash, uh, is yeah, like, yeah, old, yeah. So yeah, like the old Metallica, Megadeth, mm-hmm. the Big Four, and then yeah. and then all the, the Testaments and yeah. all that stuff like that. And you always know who those bands are growing up. I mean, right. you always know who Metallica is. Like you know, it's just did you really appreciate it? until a certain point and then you then you're like oh wow okay now i see why they were so monumental yeah uh metallica is an example of that you know uh slayer you know it's like oh it's household name to a lot of underground metalheads they're like they're sellouts or whatever but i don't care i mean i still like a lot of the records regardless of what anybody else thinks well yeah i mean especially you know know, like back in the day there was such a stigma on what you it's a lot different today because there's so many genres but back in the day you know you were a poser or you're a thrasher i mean you and we would beat you just go beat people up and stuff (laughs) just because they didn't look a certain way or whatever and you didn't dare listen to certain things even if you know in the back of your mind you're like it's not a bad song but i can't really know i like that Mm -hmm. song it was like that i don't think it's as much like that today Probably not. I mean, I, I know that people are always just going to be judgy no matter what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just what it is. Yeah, but know? the poser thing. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. Those, those were crazy days back in them days. You either like it or you don't. Yeah. Slayer was big, though. Big yeah, influence. it was a big one. Yeah, I mean, just like, especially just like the way they wrote, the way they crafted their songs. They were, every song was a little journey that you went on. And it was it never really got boring to me, I and mean, it still isn't. Like, no, and they, and, they, and Hanneman just wrote some of the greatest riffs yeah. of all time. And then, and you know, like like for me, I always think about like when when I first got into the thrash metal and all that stuff. It's right when Rain and Blood came out, and Master of Puppets and all those albums just came out eighty six, eighty five, eighty seven, and all that stuff came out. And you were li- taking all this in, and you know, it's like you were listening to the best. Mm-hmm that it almost got for a while there. You know what I mean? Some of yeah. those albums were just great, and you were like right in the middle of it, like that little snapshot of time right then. And, you know, you you, you think Metallica's here at, at Master of Puppets. What are they going to be like in 10 more years? Man, oh, my God, you know what I mean? And then in 10 more years, Load and, and, and Reload are coming out, and you're like, that, that, I didn't see that coming. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's funny to see how these bands, you know, and but, you know, like right now, a lot of these bands – Okay, for instance, the bands that some just this is just a couple of the bands so far locally that you recorded, and if you're into the metal scene in Cleveland, you've heard of all of them: the Gluttons, Alethea, Sean Vanek, and Midnight Destructor. You've worked with them guys now. Paradox Rift, Shed the Skin, which is like that that little side project that mm-hmm. some of them guys do. Yep. Obviously, with Ringworm and them guys too. Yes. Those are just a few of the bands, but those are like yep. some of the biggest bands right now. In the area, in the t- yeah, and these guys are touring. A lot of these guys are just touring the nation, you know, uh, the states, mm-hmm. and outside there. Some of these bands are going to Europe and stuff like that. Pretty big imprint of bands that you're involved in, you know. And the only, I mean, I'm not sure if this is accurate, but you know, like uh, Pure Steel, which is which is Juan Ricardo. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the only other studio I that gets mentioned a lot, and that's not even a local studio, but that's the only one that gets mentioned a lot as far as some of the other bands that are bigger in Cleveland. It's like Mercenary. And Pierce Steel. Mm-hmm. Is that accurate? Would you say like those are the two biggest th- that are signed the bands locally? Uh, I mean, there are other studios in town that that really do good work. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I guess I try not to. I I try not to talk about other people's work too much because I know how it feels when somebody talks about yours. I got you. I got you. So I I'm like I don't know who's the biggest or who's the best or or what. I don't I don't really know. I I, I really only can. <clears throat> keeping my scope so much. So when I'm thinking about my studio 
or the work that we're doing down there. Um, that's all I think about. I don't think about what other people are doing or how they're doing it or what they're charging or what, how they work or what, none of that shit matters to me. Yeah. Um, it's all 100% what we're doing. That's all I focus on. And, that's good. And honestly, <clears throat> um, it was, you know, it's easy to get distracted and getting distracted by what other people are doing is literally, you're just, you're just hurting yourself. It, I guess nothing good can really come out of that, right? No, I mean, nothing good can come out of it. Now, there's something to be said about maybe looking at the, the the techniques that other people are doing and adopting some of those things. That's one thing. But, like, how many sessions are you going to go sit in on another studio? Yeah, right. So, I mean, there's so many resources out there now, too. Well, I mean, plus, <clears throat> pretty soon you're not even going to need people like me. So, I mean, in another 10, 15 years, the demand for recording engineers is going to be almost zero. And it, it's, it's getting close to there now. Well, I mean, I mean, but you know, like, doesn't music so, sort of have to suffer for that to happen in some ways? And people just have to accept yeah. that this is the new way. Sure, I think so. And and I also think that you know, like Mike Patton said, it the only people that are ever going to ruin music is musicians. Yeah, it's not the guy in a suit. It's not whoever's paying the bills. That's it's, true. I can see what he says. Yeah, it's musicians I, I, that yeah. are going to do it. So, you know, we have seen, I think, a sort of a decline in the overall quality of of the product that's put out there over the last maybe 10 years. Um, Man, me and Pat literally were just talking about that. But it's, 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 it's always going to bounce back in the other direction to a, to a degree. Um, I think when, when you see that happen, like, like I'll just make one band example. I'll just make up a band. Okay. So this band, they have a guy in the band who thinks he knows everything. And then they're like, instead of going to a studio to record our, our album or our EP or single, whatever, I'm just going to borrow some mics from my buddy or we're going to go to my friend's house. He'll do it for a case of beer. There's always going to be a place for that in the world. We need that to happen, right? Because they're going to realize while those songs have a lot of cool charm, um, man, what could have they have been had somebody captured the the knowledge to do it and do it the right way? Uh, How would they have turned out? So, there's always going to be this little bit of a back and forth. And there's some bands that do the other way. Um, I mean, I've that, uh, who's atomic, Witch? they did their first EP. Uh, they did a lot of it at my place. And then the second one, they recorded themselves and sent it off to, you know, Dan Swano to mix. Um, who's like, you know, a prestigious mixing engineer and the great, and the record sounds great. So, you know, it worked out for them just fine. I mean, it, it, Sometimes it goes the other way. You know? Do you do you find that uh, people hire you sometimes just to just to, as an engineer to capture it all, and then they do have somebody else that they use to mix it, or mostly is it all just done in, by you? Everything. Most of it's in house. Uh-huh. There are the occasional project where uh, you'll track everything and then send it to somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It happens, um, and usually the band of, band is either made that decision beforehand or somebody made that decision for them. That does happen, like. Uh, management or uh, a label they have a guy that they had in mind to mix the album they'll just record it locally without having a lot of expenses so you right. don't have to fly anywhere you don't have to drive anywhere blah blah so that's kind of how that works a lot of the time but i mean i'd say 95 percent of the work we do we do everything that's cool that's yeah. cool all right we're gonna take a quick break sure we'll come back in a couple minutes and we'll talk a little more with noah buchanan You're listening to Level Up Cleveland. 
What's going on, Level Up listeners? Signal Flow Studios is a Cleveland recording studio founded in 2013, located in the steel yard just down the hall from Brian and Pat at Level Up Cleveland. At Signal Flow, we pride ourselves in offering top quality audio and a great recording experience to artists here in town and from across the country. But what makes us unique at Signal Flow is our undivided attention to the people who keep us going. That's you, the artists. So come on in and let us make your music our top priority. You can book online at www.signalflowstudio.com or give us a call at 216-920-2075. We'll see you soon. And we're back with Mr. Noah Buchanan. And he's not just Noah Buchanan to everybody. He's Uncle Noah to certain people because okay. uh, we had on here not too long ago the girls from Locally Grown and uh, we had the Jordans. And Jordan Urban, Jerbs, is your niece. Yes. Yeah, you just you just found out that she did our show recently. Yes, yeah, I saw yeah. I, I went on Instagram and I think <laughs> and I'm flipping through and I go, Jordan, what are you doing on there? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. No, she was great, man. And, and you were saying how music is in your family. She's another talented one. She's got a great voice, man. Extremely. Yeah, and they're they're actually they were actually a lot of fun, man. They're their character, they're just they're just fun to hang out with and be around. They're cool people. Yeah. Yeah, but I just thought I'd throw that out there, throw her name, just give her a shout out. Um, so, on your way to becoming what you became, as far as having doing the mercenary studios and everything, and becoming, you did some other things along the way that kind of got you to the point where you can actually be this guy. You know, you were running sound at Peabody's there for a while too, weren't you? Yeah, I did that for a number of years. Yeah, well, how was that? Can you like what? Oh, what when, when would that have been? Now that was that wasn't that was the Peabody's. That wasn't the one in the flats. No, were, that this was is East Twenty First. Right, right, yeah. right, 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 right. Uh, I. I actually, I, I really look back fondly on the time that I spent there. I mean, it, obviously, it always has its moments. Like things can get political in an environment like that. You know, people are um, just, a lot of people just care about themselves, and, and some people care about people around them. Yeah, right. You know, so you, it's always interesting. But I got to say, I mean, I got to do sound for some great, great bands, artists that I that I admire, people that I, I grew up listening to, I got to meet face-to-face and work with. And, and you know, when you work in the business, people treat you differently yeah. than, like, if you were a fan. So I got to meet people that have recorded records that I really liked. And, you know, guy that plays guitar in this band, well, he's a recording engineer, too. And he recorded this, this album. It's one of my favorite records, you know. And yeah, I'm right. like, oh, I'm doing sound for you today? That's cool. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, that right. was always neat. Um and I, I really liked it a lot. In fact, it, you know, when I when I first kind of started dabbling around with the recording stuff, that's what I was. I was taking. I had a little interface. I'd take it down there and run a matrix off the console and just have a separate mix. And I had a couple room mics set up, and I would sell bands. They're they're set. smart, man. So there were. I mean, there was nights where you walked out of Peabody's like after a thirteen band battle of the bands. You walk out of there and you're like, man, I got, I got 500 bucks in my pocket because I just sold four, five sets of live stuff for bands, you know, and they could go and put that out or whatever they want to do with it. Now, how, how much does like when you're when you're doing sound at a place like Peabody's and you're doing gig, gig after gig after gig, I'm, a, I'm a, I imagine you, you're doing a lot of gigs. I mean, yeah, how often, how four often, or five nights a week. Yeah, right. So how much does that attribute to what, how, how can much of that can you take into the studio and say, all right, oh, and, dude. And, and, is it like night and day or is it the same? All of it. So everything transfers over just, just fine. All of it. Everything I learned working in Peabody's directly improved everything else I did as far as recording bands. Because you learn how to deal with bands. I mean, and, you, and, and when you're in the club, you're in a way higher stress environment than you are in a studio. 
So if you can handle six or seven bands a night for different four, personalities, five, four, different yeah, everything. Yeah, and and you can manage to make it work. You know, you never have a you're never gonna have anybody punch. Well, I did get punched once, uh, <laughs> but that's a different story. Uh, but like you know, you don't know how to deal with them. So you're dealing with all these guys, and then then you get to be in a situation where, and this is actually where really where the story takes a left because I I. I realized that I enjoyed just being in the studio with another band and seeing kind of what they're made of. It's know? a different kind of art though, right? Yeah, so, it is. It, but like, it's, a, it's, it's, uh, it's still high stress for a lot of guys. You know, there's still a lot of dudes out there that really get, really get nervous in the studio and you just have to look at them and be like, there's no reason to be nervous. right? You're now. talking about when they're coming in to record yeah, their music, but like shows are kind of the same way. So it's a, it's a, there's a similar similarity there yeah you're dealing with people well you know i think it's a band also though like a guy like you they go in and they sit down with the the, uh, the producer like you and they are and in their mind they're like this guy's worked with everybody and and you know am i gonna stack up to the other people that he's and i'm sure that's where people's nervousness comes from Maybe. you know it's know. you know because well i mean i can see that you know i can see like that especially the for the first timers and stuff that aren't used to being in the studio um but that's 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 interesting that that the whole Peabody's thing. Um, so what happened there? What how does how does that he, what, what happens the, with you just eventually just? Yeah, I mean, I I'd, I'd started like it gotten to the point where I was uh, I had a little spot, and so my my band Solipsis that we we're still doing, but um, we've been doing it forever. So all those years that we were doing that, I was recording a lot of our stuff in our practice space and stuff because I and I started accumulating more and more gear and then. And then we ended up moving into another room. We, we were down in Rock World City for a long time. So uh, we, you know, had our own space. I was recording other. So I started recording other bands down there in, like, bands that were practicing down in Is the this building. the first time you really started doing that? Yeah, okay. like, outside bands. Yeah. Um, you know, and, like, it was, like, it was like Schnauzer and, like, uh, Dark Arena, you know. Oh, yeah. On and, and, like, they were practicing down there. So those are the bands I started recording um, in the room. And then... Then we realized, and there was some things that happened, but then we realized, like, we, we got to get out of here. So then I slowly sort of started taking more, like, more of the financial burden, and then eventually it was a complete separation of, okay, so this is my studio, this is my business, and you guys are practicing here. Right. Um, so did you go find you know, a space for your, for the studio? You got yeah. its own everything, its own, and yeah. created that whole thing, and you had to build We had it? a couple of, well, we, I had a, I've had a number of places over the years, um, but like, and it used to be brainchild recording studio and that's still technically my business name, but whatever. Um, so yeah, I had brainchild studios. Like I had a couple places in Lakewood, um, over the years, like I both on Madison, I just moved down the street one time, but, it, it, and those places were cool. Um, and then eventually moved out to, out to Avon. So way out West. So you get, you got your own places now. you got your own mm -hmm. studio set up and everything yep. like that. Um, equipment wise, was this something you kind of like had a piece together along the way or, or yeah. was this just like one big purchase one at oh, all? It was, it was always like little things. At what point did you start getting involved with like pro tools and stuff like that? Where, or was it from the beginning? Cause you were, you said like before the beginning, you're doing like four track and stuff like that. Oh yeah. You learned I with mean, tape. I've had, uh, I mean, I've used every software there is out there. Was it know? a transition for you though? I mean, was it again, was this something that. How did you actually learn it? Was it YouTube in it and, and, and that kind of there thing? Was no YouTube, YouTube back? Yeah, right. So, uh, no, I, I just did it. 
just, I just recorded just a trial lot of and error, just songs. a lot of trial and error with you, huh? Yeah. That's what that's how you got through a lot well, of. Well, and reading, I re- like well back then we had books, and I I still have stacks of of <laughs> of like literal um, textbooks, like school, like college. Oh, recording textbooks. Oh, so like stuff that you yeah. if you took a course, this mm-hmm. these are the books that you would get. Yeah, yeah. And so you, you went could buy through- them because you could I could go to half price books and buy them. And then the rest of it was just trial and error, like I said before, yep. just trying just to just just figuring it all out, and that yep. didn't work. All that. So I learned how to record stuff with basically no equipment. So I learned how to record shit when I was young with the worst. Well, not the worst. I mean, industry standard like SM fifty seven. Yeah, right, right, right. It's, it's an eighty five dollar microphone, you know. Yeah, so, but- and a couple of cables and a, and a recorder, and then you get an interface. And now, well, now I have eight. You know, okay, well, now I have eight inputs, so I have eight SM57s, you know what I mean? Or just whatever cheap mics you could find. Yeah, right, right. So that's what I was doing. I just I had cheap mic sets and just figured out how. I was like, well, what what is it about that mic that doesn't sound good? Or what what's the character that it's kind of imbuing on the sound that's not good? Okay, let's EQ that out right away. Uh, oh, I see. So I start learning how to, like, you start to ear train that way and and the, the, the thing that really makes like a recording like really good is the fact that you find like these frequent these spots where these frequencies go in this whole entire song process where all the instruments have a place and the vocals have a place everything's got its place but when it's all mixed together it doesn't sound like a bunch of individual things and that's the that's the science of this whole thing really it's learning, you know how to get that first capture and then get in that mix right where everything's got its own little space that's that's the hardest part of this is that not yeah, that and, and dealing with of. the personalities yeah i mean the tech that's like the technical aspect of right. it yeah um to me it's to me it's usually more about what what's the emotion of the song trying to do like what's what is the song trying to do to you when you're listening to it and do you have to interpret so, that or do they tell do the bands help you along that path of figuring that out um it can be it can Either be or. both it, it depends on the band and like the personalities of the people in speaking it. of that personalities it's a yeah. good it's a good segue to the next part i mm-hmm. want to get into so you know every anytime we have anyone here who records people and stuff like that one of the questions i always have to ask them is that um you get you you're dealing with people who sometimes have their expectations are a little higher and they're coming in there and they're all ready to go and you're like you can't you know you don't tell them they that but there's got to be times where you're like, how am I going to do this? Does that ever happen to you where you're like, oh. Yeah. It's I mean, like, where you're just like, oh. And, and and you see so many people along the way, I guess, you know, eventually, like, do you, like, they, they walk into the studio and, and immediately you're just like, or 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 I'm sure sometimes they walk in and you're, you get that feeling just, and then all of a sudden you're like, wow, wow, you're really ready. Oh, yeah. yeah that, both ways both. it can be, right? You Absolutely. know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. That's yeah, kind of you, you I, I think uh, it's weird because when you when you record a band, uh, you really get to know them. Like, usually you get They're vulnerable re- in that situation, aren't they? Yeah, you're a yeah. bit of a, sometimes you're a psychotherapist. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you're just a, a shoulder to lean on. Sometimes you're just somebody to talk to. Yeah. And so you're, you know, you, you get deep into a day or eight or nine hours into a day with a band and then people get tired and they start talking, you know, and then, and then it's like. I've seen therapy has sessions happen right in front of you, <laughs> unwittingly, you know, that, that happens though. But like, um, what about like a rift between band members though? Like, like when they come in and they bring that crap that. into their studio, I don't, I don't, I don't deal with that stuff. No, you don't No, Like that, that's, that is the nice thing about kind of how, how things have gone over the last few years is that 
I've kind of gotten to the point where I can say no if I want to. That's and good. I, and, and that's okay. Like, so you work with certain people more, more so mm-hmm. now you don't just take everybody because you don't have to. I mean, I'll give anybody a shot, but it doesn't mean I'm going to like it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely enjoy most of the people I work with. Uh, I, I, I just love it. I love doing it. You know, um, I like seeing what people are made of. Like I said, I mean, you know, I, I always want to see somebody do something incredible. That's what, I, that's what I want. Yeah. You know, so like I want to capture something that is like, that's only going to happen that one time and it's never going to happen the same way ever again. You get, it's a moment in time that you got. It's true. I mean, you like the, the, what you do with that recording stuff is that like, it's you know, like the worst, drive. there's no, I don't know that there's any worse feeling. We did a, we had some the sky down here, Juan and Ed and, and we did the whole podcast. We did four segments with those guys. We did two hours. We were like, who's the, who's, the power goes out in the whole entire place and we lose all the sound. Oh no. <laughs> so, so, and it was like the, one of the best interviews and everything. And it's like gone. Uh, that moment you're talking about yeah, that that's horrible it's gone you know and there's no way to get it back and in those yeah horrible like those are the worst feelings and ever. you know yeah. like and capturing all that stuff you know like uh, you hear about all the time bands that write songs and how they write songs some guys just over there doing some scale or whatever and the other guy's like what the hell was you just what was that you know what mm-hmm. i mean and then you hear it and then it's getting it again how do you, we got to redo that again we got to get it like that again and you know do you find it uh you know, like, because of the time thing and because you're paying for this stuff, how how important is it for these bands to do things, like, in one take and all that kind of thing where, you know, like, they're just trying to get in there, lay down a track, move on? I I think that's the way it should be. So you like that, that yeah, spontaneity, more spontaneity and stuff um, like that? Yeah, I mean, if you uh, – there, I mean, there's different types of mu- – there's all different types of music, but if you're recording, like, a tech death band where – Every blast beat has to be perfect, and every little digga 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 has to be perfect, right? Well, you're going to spend a lot more time on that, making sure that that's perfect. But if you come in and you're playing rock and roll, and I'm like, well, it needs to sound like rock and roll. It needs to be abrasive. It needs to be in your face, um, not conservative, you know, mixing wise. Just have a blast. Just like go go nuts. Like let the guitar squeak stay in there. I like that. Yeah. You right. know, I mean, it's like they're called it, imperfections, but are they really you right? Know There's I mean? a difference between a mistake and a, and a little thing that can happen. Yeah. Right. But magical I mean, almost sometimes. Right. Yeah. And it's like, sometimes things can be like out of tune and still sound awesome. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of bands will tell you that their, their best songs or most successful songs. The ones that the, the people love the most are the ones that took them 45 minutes to write and yep. recorded an hour. And yeah. it was just like done. And it's magic. And it's like, everyone's like, that's the best song. Yeah. They'll labor six months <laughs> over a song and Nobody uh, yeah, no one, no one it even goes at the sh- end of the record. Yeah. It's amazing how much that happens too. Yeah. A, it really is. And I yeah. think that's a lot about what says, it says a lot about music in general, right? Like mm-hmm. how, where it comes from, how it really, how it really formed. Oh, you could have all the technology in the world. You could have all these tools. You could have everything the way it's supposed to be. But if the thing that's coming out of you isn't good, it just doesn't matter, right? It just doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. Uh, like here, like here's something cool. So last this past year, I did a um, a few albums for some guys, but I did uh, I I mixed an album for a band called Faith Extractor from Cincinnati. Uh, and it's Ash from uh, Shed the Skin. Oh, uh, singing. So he sent me all the tracks, and like it, 
Sorry. It, it wasn't the best recorded stuff. You know what I mean? Um, but we made it sound awesome. And the reason it sounds awesome is because even though it wasn't recorded really well, the songs are killer. The performances are killer. It's just, it's, it's coming right at you as soon as you put it on. Right. And so, it, like, it wouldn't matter if I had mixed it or if anybody else had mixed it. It still would have been good. It, it wouldn't, like, what I did to it was maybe improve the listener experience yeah, a little right. bit. But, but the songs are still great. And that's the most, that's, that's all that. It's without, the most important thing. Like, 100%. Really, well, really, 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 really well-arranged songs are way easier to mix than a song that's not arranged right. Now, will you help with the arrangement of songs with sure. these bands too? Do you go oh. in there and say, hey, let's put this part at the end and let's um, do, the, do It you depends. Do... Like, usually I'll have a vibe right away. I mean, I'll know if that's sort of off limits or not. Oh, as far as with the bands, like, like yeah, if a band's real, like, some like, bands owner, are like really they, cagey about it yeah. and they're like, no, this is the way it's going to be. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to. So you get that, that vibe I'm pretty tell quick. You now, you know, that if you maybe, maybe think about it. I'm like, will you humor me? Just yeah. Think about it, you know? So you have your way of kind of getting because your stamps on these things too. So sure. you guys, you, yeah. you want these to come out as best as possible mm-hmm. because this is going into your your own little profile of what sure. you do and stuff like that. So yeah, and like I just my personal thing on anything aggressive music. If you're playing heavy metal or death metal or thrash metal or whatever, like you got to play with everything hard all the time. Yeah. Like that's my philosophy. So I'm like, nuance kind of goes out the window. I'm like, you're you're, this is anti-music, you know. <laughs> like That's what that. it is. It's like, throw theory out the window, throw all that stuff out the window, and just write something mean. Aggression is more yeah. important than anything yes. in this, in this yeah. case. So it's like, you got to make it sound aggressive, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, real quick now. So, I, I'm thinking about, like, when you're in the, the, the um, Slipsis, and and, not, and in Slipsis, are you singing? Mm-hmm. So, when you're when you're writing, and you're, you're the writer of these bands also, too. You're writing stuff also. Uh, yeah, I mean... Guitar parts, everything. I mean, you're bringing stuff to the table, and, and, and these are a sure. lot of your ideas, right? A, a lot of it is, yeah. So Not, I'm, not I'm, all of it. But. I'm curious, how how influenced do you get by recording these other bands? Because, and here's why I say that, because it's not like listening to music. Sometimes you'll hear one song 600 times while you're mixing it, and you'll just hear it and hear it. You'll hear that same riff over and over again. And it seems like it's almost impossible to me that that riff doesn't sometimes just get stuck up in there. It seems like it would do that sometimes. I don't know. And and it seems like, I, and I'm wondering if some of these don't get like put back into a bank in the back of your mind. So when you're writing, you've got so much stuff up in there. I wonder if like sometimes if you're not like... Because most people aren't influenced like you are. You have so much stuff pouring into your brain all the time. <laughs> That's true. You know, like like you're you have now the, amassed so much stuff up there that what's coming out of you has to be influenced by it. I mean, it, it just seems to me like it almost would have to be in some uh, degree. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I would. I guess I never really thought about it. Um, there have been parts that I've recorded of bands, like maybe maybe not a whole song. Maybe it's just a piece of a song. Where I'm like, that is really cool the way that they did that little thing. Yeah. Um, but I've never, not, never consciously, but like, I don't know. The way that I write, uh, when I write music, I usually write when I'm sitting at the console. Like, I, I very rarely do I like sit down and like write a song on my guitar and then remember the riffs. 
like I usually will record it right away. So yeah. Right. Yeah. So, Otherwise so I'll sit there and I'll come up with something in like a day in like four hours. I'll come up with something. I'm like, okay, this is cool. Let me revisit this tomorrow and kind of see where, what I can do with it. Um, but, the, but the way that it happens is there's never like an idea. It just happens. Like I just write, I'm just like, okay, I'm going to write this and just play guitar for a second. Like, Oh, that's cool. Or yeah, let's go with that right away. <laughs> I don't, I don't like think like, cause like we were talking about a minute ago, uh, like off the air, I was saying that like not every song's going to be a hit. And so if you just remember, not every song's going to be a hit, just keep throwing shit at the wall and <laughs> writing and writing and writing. And then, and then refine that down. Yeah. That's kind of how I write. So I don't really think about brainstorming. I, I don't really think about other music when I'm thinking like, I'm always trying to write something that's like direct and not influenced by uh, like a preconceived idea yeah, of right. what I'm trying to do. I'm like, I don't care what style of music it is. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, I can write whatever. So uh, let's just take a chance. And then who, if nobody hears it, who cares? You know? Um, as far as synopsis or synopsis, synopsis. So as far as synopsis goes, no. But it, you're you're singing in there and you're doing a you're doing a guttural type voice, right? I mean, it's 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 I, I've heard it. It's it's freaking. <laughs> And and uh, we we had Ray Condi from our sarcophagus on here, and he was he does he's a vocalist too. And I was asking him like, dude, what what like first of all, how do you pick a style of that? Because it's not it's not so much like singing voice where you're kind of like you're gonna you're gonna sing the way you're naturally. You can kind of decide how you're gonna do this in a different way, and a lot of it has to do with I think how technically you can do it without ripping your your vocals right out of your throat by doing that. Um, but how do you pick that? How, what, what do you, how do you decide, like, first of all, what you're going to sound like, and then how do you do it in a way where you don't, your, your vocal cords don't wind up on the floor? Yeah, I, you know what? I don't, I don't know if anybody's ever asked me that question, but I'll say this. I never thought about it. It just <laughs> happened. When I was younger, I just got out of high school. My punk band had kind of broken up. People went to college and stuff. And then I started a metal band with my buddy Dave, who was also in my punk band. So we did that. And I wanted to be, be the singer. Like, I didn't, I didn't want to play guitar. I didn't want to play bass. I just wanted to sing in the band. And we met these two guys, and they were a drummer and a guitar player, and Dave plays bass. So I'm like, well, we're a package deal. And they're like, okay. So we started a band, and I just literally picked up a mic, and that's what came out. And you stuck with it since? I stuck with it. I was like, well, that didn't hurt. So, but I, And you I, could do a whole gig like that. And, could, and, oh, yeah. yeah, no problem. That's awesome. The only the only problem I ever I ever run into is like getting too excited, and then I. So there's a certain amount of control. You rec, then you wreck. Yeah, you have to be able to control it because if you get real excited, and you're head banging and having fun, like that's when you do the damage. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. I because you stop I, thinking about it. Yeah, and then know, and then next thing you know, you're just yelling. Ah, yeah, and I'm just yelling. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take another break. Uh, when we come back, a little bit more with uh, Noel Buchanan. You're listening to Level Up Cleveland. Want to be a guest on Level Up Cleveland? Go to levelupcleveland.com and fill out the guest application with your name, phone number, and email and why you'd be a good guest on Level Up Cleveland. We're always looking for new talent. Rock on. And 
And we are back with Noah Buchanan of Mercenary Studios, Solipsis, Nunslaughter, and a whole bunch of other stuff throughout his entire career that he's been involved in. Oh, yeah. Um, so we're, I want to just touch on right now, like, the future a little bit. You know, we talked about kind of, like, Mercenary Studios. Um, like, you know, like... What do you see the future being here? Like, is it, nothing changes, right? I mean, you're just gonna you're just gonna keep going. Is that is that pretty much how it is at this point? I guess so. I mean, like you know, you're pretty popular, dude. I mean, I I really Man? see. Yeah, I really see. I'm, I'm telling you, I, constant. It's constant with us, with just everybody. You know, mercenary, mercenary. And I look up. I'm like, here we go again. It's every constantly being talked about. Yeah, so work work a lot. We work a lot. Do you see? A, do you see your growth though? You guys have grown. I mean, do you, could, do you feel like you've come a long way since the first days? I mean, are you? Totally. Are you seeing that progress? Absolutely. Um, I, I'm, I'm really happy with the way things are. Where do you see it going? I mean, what do you, what do you, what's your, what's your plan? What do you, what's your vision? I want to keep making records for bands. That uh, ideally, like, ideally, if I could have it my way, I wouldn't do a whole lot of recording. I'd just be mixing. Okay. Um, and but. I, I still enjoy recording, and especially there are certain bands that I really enjoy recording. So, you know, you're not ever going to walk away from that. Um, so you'd like to have like, some engineers that are working for you. Oh, yeah. They do all that part, and then eventually oh, it goes to Noah. Yeah, having employees would be great, but we'll, we'll see <laughs> We'll see what happens in the future. Um, so, I mean, I've tried the intern thing once or twice, and it, it never really worked out. Um so I figured if I'm ever going to have anybody down there, I'm going to have to pay them. I got you. Um, so, you know, but things can run smoother with two people. Yeah. Uh, most of the time I'm doing everything all by myself. So, and I, and I like it that way because I'm a bit of, bit of a control freak um, when I'm working and I, it's nice to have a helper, but at the same time, I'm like, if I do it, I know it's going to get done. So, so mercenary is Noah. Uh, no, it's me, uh, Sean and his brother, Jason. Oh, okay. So that's, it's the, and you're all three doing the same thing? I mean, is it, is it equal here? Or no? um, I'm I'm mixing probably 95% of the stuff. Uh, Sean does a lot of other bands. He likes to, he's got a few clients that he likes to work with. And Jay mostly just writes his own music. And are you doing mostly metal stuff? Is that, is that what that say Most, predominantly? Mostly, yeah. I mean, there are some other kind of offshoots. Is that, but that's your specialty, would you would you say? I mean, that's what you're Metal most and comfortable. And, yeah, aggressive stuff. Yeah. Electric guitars and, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the stuff I like. I like doing other stuff, too, but, I mean, this is, we're in Cleveland. Yeah. It's, it's what there is here. It yeah. is a lot of rock and metal bands. So. A lot of them. A lot of them. Good ones. Good ones. Yeah, a lot of really good ones, man. A lot of, there's a lot of talent there, in this city, there man. There is. A lot. There's a it's, lot of talent. It, and, you, and you record a lot of talented people. Some great musicians. Absolutely. Um, so, Solipsis, um, you got gigs coming up with them and some non-slaughter stuff poss yep, possibly? Got, yep, we got a gig, a gig, as in one, uh, with Solipsis. That's um, that's with Chimera. That's in May, I think the 13th or 14th. It's a two-nighter. Okay, yeah. We're playing on the Saturday night, um, but it's sold out, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, that's the first. The, the, the one that's sold out is the one at Ringworm, right? That's the, yes. that's the one yeah, that. And us, then... Ringworm, and then Chimera, yeah. Okay. So we're, we're, we'll pop it off. We'll open the show that night. And oh, that's cool. We're so excited about it because we did the show back in September, and that was sort of a first time in, a, in quite a few years that we'd played out together. 
Um, so our, our one guitar player lives in California and we had to fly him in and it's, it's a bit of a process and the guys had to kind of relearn some of the songs and go back into that space in your mind where you were yeah, right. years ago. So, uh, we managed to do it. And then, and I said something, I remember after the show, which was a, a wild success. Uh, it was great. We had a blast. So we get done with the show and it was like a week later and I said something to Steve or something. I said, uh. I was like, you know, the next time we do this, it's going to be a lot easier because you're not going to have to relearn all the songs because yeah, right. we already did that. And then, like, two months later, you know, we get an email. It's like, hey, can you guys do, a sh- do the gig? So um, I was like, well, that's perfect. Yeah. It keeps right on our schedule. We could do one or two shows a year. We don't really have to rehearse too much. Um, we can have, you know, and we're all best friends. Like, we literally, that that group of guys, we have, we've been best friends for a long time. Oh, that's sweet. So it regardless of whatever happens with the band we're all best friends so now it's like well we can so let's do it yeah so we're gonna jam this week i'm looking forward to it awesome dude yep do some and jamming. and nunslaughter they got they got some stuff coming got up also touring. got some touring march and april going to south america well Woo. central and south america and some mexico gigs are you playing with our band is it you, are you uh it's more bocidad and it's their final south america central america tour oh so you guys so are on that we're, with we're, we're support yeah sweet that'll be yes. a fun one have you been there yeah. before yes you do toured there before you mm-hmm. play there before yeah how's that they're, they're pretty wild, wild down there right yeah they're different right so it's, it's 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 just a different culture than you're used to yeah man. especially the metal world europe. dude they're free you would never, you know if you didn't know about it you would never guess it but man yeah. it's huge it's huge in south america yeah it's just you know those tours are, are a blast because the shows are usually really good but it they're sometimes they're just they could be a little rough you know oh yeah if you're because you're in airports at like 3 a.m. and all the time. You, you ever know, worry living, about anything living, down there? Living in airports. You ever worry about going down in South America or that I, stuff? I did the first time. Yeah. I did the first time I uh, I went down there. I worried. And then, then I got there and I realized I was like, as long as you stay with the people you need to be with, you'll be fine. How do, how uh, people get in touch with you as far as if they want to record with Mercenary? Like, is there is there an easy way to access that? Or is it? Yep. Is there? It's pretty easy. Uh, Facebook is always one because everybody's on Facebook. Just message you, basically? Uh, is that, would be the... Yeah, you can message us on there. Or they can email me or email Sean. Uh, my email's brainchild216 at gmail.com. And if you ever want to hit me up, that's probably the best way to do it. Okay, and then just say, hey, that we're so-and-so. Mm-hmm. We'd like to record with you and yeah. go from there. Yeah, yeah, usually uh, you know, strike up a convo with whoever it is and, and see if they can feel them out a little bit, see if they want to. Cool. Something. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, and like, we like to have a lot of fun doing what we're doing. Yeah, so, like you know, I said, we're, we're we're you know always looking for people that are like aren't stiff. And like, uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah the, the names like that they, I read like here they have the, a good time. Yeah, yeah, these are all fun people that yeah. we write, and and, yeah. and like I said, people that for whatever reason they leave working with you, uh, they have nothing but positive stuff to say they love it so you know anybody that wants to have a good experience recording their music seems like mercenary is the way to go i'd like to think so that sounds like it's going to be if it's not already it's going to (laughs) be big all right guys that's all the time we have uh we'll see you guys next week see you this has been level up cleveland there's a new episode every week available now on all streaming services You can catch every episode of Level Up Cleveland on YouTube. Till next week, rock on. That'll be fine.